This is episode number 674 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning and downloading, listening. If you're in your car, drive safely. If you're out for a run, enjoy the show. Although, I definitely think you should be running without anything Anyway, I shall move on. This week's guest, Mr. Rami Rasamni, is a Lebanese gentleman who recently has covered the length of Lebanon, 470 kilometers in seven days on foot on the incredibly famous Lebanon mountain trail. But life for Rami wasn't always like that. He was obese. He was a chain smoker. He was a binge drinker until one day he woke up, one night he woke up in the middle of the night craving a cigarette. And as he made his way to get one, he caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror. And it was that look that changed his life. Rami fought his addictions, set goals, small goals, big goals. Every single day, it was a fight. He had to replace this habit that he'd created of smoking, binge drinking, and eating raw cookie dough with something else. In this show, he is brutally open and honest about what he did to recover and now what he does and how he reconnected with what's probably based on what he says about his parents' time in the mountains and his time in the mountains as a junior, his true calling, as he seeks to inspire people and help people enjoy the outdoors through a connection of the mountains. Ladies and gentlemen, awesome guy and a really interesting chat. I definitely have to get Rami back on the show at some stage. But here he is for the next 45 minutes. Sit tight, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the show. And as I was saying there in the introduction, this one, as a lot of them do, come around quite randomly. But wow, this is going to be absolutely brilliant. Rami joins me on Zoom from Beirut. We've just been talking, mate. Crazy country, but thank you so much. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's, It's a pleasure to be here and to talk to you. Mate, you are, as I as I said in the introduction, you're you're a mountaineer, you're an entrepreneur, and you have a business. Life happens outdoors, and all of these things, mate. I want to say are are super like, and we're gonna get into some crazy stories of stuff you've done. Super inspiring. But as I like to do, I want to wind the clock right back, mate. I want to go back to, I want to perhaps understand a little bit what were you like at school. Let's start there because I know your story builds sort of from there. Right. Yes. Okay. So school, uh, let, let, like I, there, it was, I was, a, it was a completely different life. So I'll just, uh, I was, um, so I remember when I was in high school, so say 17, I think is when I really peaked. I was 110 kilograms. I was a chain smoker. I at 17. Would, <laughs> I at 17, man at 17. Would you believe it? Like I was, I, yeah. And Shortly, shortly thereafter, I was also a binge drinker. Um, by the time I got into to, to, to uni, I would take the I take the the, st- the the elevator to go up to my first floor apartment. Um, <laughs> this was and this was in London as well. So, um, and and I was uh, yeah, I was just I was just a, it was just a completely different life. And you know, the, the thing is that it didn't just it didn't like it wasn't it wasn't by design. So basically, right. when you're a teenager. You just kind of you do what everybody else is doing, and I, I call my generation the American Pie generation. Remember the American Pie movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, you you know, that's what that's what high school was supposed to be. You're supposed to drink, get drunk, meet girls, and you know that that was kind of what 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 it was like. And 
And so, um, and, and so I wasn't doing anything necessarily different from my friends or, or, or the people around me. It's just that my body and just reacted differently. So for instance, you know, we'd all go to Hardee's after school and what I would end up, you know, I'd have the same burger as everybody else, but I was just packing on weight and other people weren't. And that's probably just because my body was reacting in that particular way. And so I, you know, by the time I was 16, 17, I was already like, I was the fat kid in class. I was, um, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't athletic at all. I was, you know, the last pick in, in, in PE and, and all of that. And, and, uh, and, and, and I just kind of, you know, when you're, when you're in that age category, you, you know, that's where you kind of form a lot of your personality. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. And I started to kind of feel like, okay, I, you know, I have a slow metabolism and I kind of felt like a victim. And so I just allowed that to, kind of take over my life and just feel you know this whole this theme of victimhood and 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 that carried with me for for some time so you know I, I started smoking and then I'm like okay I can't do anything because I'm a smoker and I can't do anything because you know I'm overweight and 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 I and I you know I chose a particular uh, career path at a young age that uh, I felt you know also kind of it, it it all fit the theme of being in the passenger seat it's like things were happening to me you know, or at me, and I wasn't really a participant in what was happening. I was just kind of a vehicle of, you know, enabling that to happen. So I'm fat because my metabolism is slow. I'm a smoker because I have a, you know, a, a, an obsessive personality. I'm, uh, you know, I'm this. I'm. I, I always I had an excuse for everything. You name it. You know, I could, I could, and I could give, and I could be so convincing as well. Really. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, and like, and then I, I started working in the bars when I was eighteen, um, and and I so I started drinking a lot, um, and and yeah, just kind of the, the, you know the, the the years were going into or days were going into months, months were going into years, and you know life was just kind of happening, but there was nothing, there was no there was nothing, no drive, no you know no direction, and. Can, can I jump um, in there, mate? Because you, you said something before. You said, like, what you were doing was normal. So it's easy, I think, sometimes, like, we're sat here now, and you've obviously changed. You're doing some amazing things. And, and, and it's easy to say, like, life didn't have direction then. But when you were in it, you were, you were in it. What were you thinking at that time? Like, you know, okay, they, you look at them now, and they're excuses. But at the time, that, was that you? Or was there something deeper going on? It's, yeah, that's, you know, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I'd imagine that there was something deeper going on. I think it was, I think there was a struggle um, that was playing out between me and myself because I always imagined, you know, in the back of my mind, I always imagined that I would, I would go to mountains and I would do things that I'm, I'm doing now. But I, the, the opportunities weren't presenting themselves or I felt like, like maybe uh, you know, I, I, I had to go a certain way because my, 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 my social uh, surroundings were going in that direction. You know, none of my friends were ever up for going to do anything interesting. Um, it was all about getting drunk. It was all about just going out and having, you know, and, and, and so I, I think that there was this inherent tension between me wanting to be a teenager with my friends yeah. and, you know, and, and, live, and, and live the life that, you know, that, that you, you, you want to live at that age, which is, you know, you're, we're social creatures at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, at, and at the same time, I had this kind of, this drive inside. And I think as time w went by, I started to lose that drive and it was just kind of falling back into, 
you know, and completely covered by, um, by, by this thing that was numbing me, which was just going with this, with this flow of, of, of being in my, in my, you know, my social environment. And that's a very difficult thing to contend with. I think any teenager, you know, this whole struggle to be accepted thing. Um, it's, you know, I think that's how it played out for me. And I think a lot of us do things, especially at that age where we feel like, okay, we're doing them, you know, it's maybe it starts out as just being uh, us doing them because we want to be accepted or we want to fit in or we want to be part of what's happening. Yeah. Um, and then eventually the, it, it kind of, it kind of progresses and starts to take over your life. And that definitely happened with me. And by the end of it, you know, maybe I, I, I started smoking cigarettes you know, I was, I, I didn't want to smoke cigarettes. Like I didn't, it wasn't some, it wasn't part of me. Yeah. And then, you know, a year or two after I'd started, I was, I found myself like hooked on these cigarettes. I would, I remember I'd, there, there was a, um, there was a corner shop when I was in uni and I had, and I had to walk at, at, you know, after 11 o'clock, it was the only place that was open that would sell cigarettes. So at two o'clock in the morning, I would walk like 40 minutes wow. <laughs> to, to the corner shop in the rain just to get a pack of cigarettes and then 40 minutes back that's you know that's that's wow. an insane amount like a, an insane you know addiction and i i and i was i would you know i would skip class for a class for, for a pack of cigarettes if i if i felt like i needed a cigarette i'd just i'd walk out of an exam for a cigarette that's how far it went and that's how and and you know you kind of feed it back to yourself and you say oh you know i'm in control i can stop this whenever i wanted to and i think and that was, I think that was my watershed moment was when I, I kept saying that to myself until I realized that I couldn't. And that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. And that's, I, I'm glad you've got to that because that's a really, that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because we think we're in control and until the point that we realize that we're actually not. And then it becomes right. even more frightening because we're relying on these in, in this case that you've used this example, we're relying on these cigarettes. It can be food or, and, and it could be alcohol. It could be a mixture of all three or all three in, in, in excess. So what happens at that point, mate? And how do you realize that actually I can't just stop this? Yeah. I mean, look, for me, I can only, I can only speak to what happened to me. And I, and I consider myself very lucky in the way that it happened for me because it was it happened at such a young age as well so I kind of I went the extreme but I also came back from there and and really so it was I'll, I'll just say it you know it, I'll tell you the story so yeah, cool. it was February yeah it was it was February to uh, February or March I can't remember exactly it was 2006 and I was uh, I was uh, my second year of uni and I woke up in the middle of the night because I was craving a cigarette and so I'd done all sorts of things. I, like I said, I skipped class. I walked out of exams. I, you know, I, 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 I would walk, you know, the only walk that I was willing to do in the rain was to go and buy a pack of cigarettes in the middle of the night. Yeah. But I woke up in the middle of the night and all, and, and I, and I had this urge to smoke a cigarette and that scared the hell out of me mm. because you know, I don't know if, uh, for, 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 for those of us who, who've ever had our sleep interrupted because of, uh, you know, something out of our control like that. That's a scary thing, especially when you're young and sleep is kind of sacred. And, and I, and I, and I turned on, I remember turning on my, my bedside lamp and I had this, this vertical mirror that was just, just on the, on the wall right next to my bed. And I caught my eye in the mirror. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this. I even like, I can see it in front of me right now as I describe it to you. Um, 
I, I, I looked at myself and I couldn't see, I couldn't see myself. Wow. I, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, my parents put me in the mountains when I was two years and nine months old. Um, they were, you know, they met in the mountains. So for them, oh. mountains was a big part of my, my childhood, my growing up, uh, skiing, being up in, you know, in the high altitude environment, uh, rock climbing. Uh, it, this was all part of my growing up. And kind of as I got into my teenage life, this, this kind of victimhood just took over everything. And I ended up where, where I ended up. And, and so in, in the back of my mind, I suppose, I, I imagine that no matter how far I went, you know, I was always going to go back to the mountains in the back of my head. And, and, you know, and this is just a phase and I'll get over it. Whenever I want to change, I will change. And, and, and I think waking up in the middle of the night and, 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 and having that, that craving that was beyond my control and not being able to see myself in the mirror in the way that I imagined I'd see myself by that point. Uh, really shocked me to my core. I think I think it was it, it was the fear of just never being able to have the life that in my mind I always imagined I would, mm. and and I felt like this was a watershed moment and the decision had to be made. You know, I would either go this way or I'd go that way, and and there's no coming back from either of them. And so that night I didn't have a cigarette. Actually, uh, I forced myself back to sleep. I woke up the next day and I went to my kitchen where I turned on the, the, the kettle. I put the cigarette between my fingers as I always did. Um, I lit it. I looked at it and then I put it out in the sink. I remember Wow. Uh, I didn't smoke it that day. And then I went to the, the fridge. I emptied out everything. I mean, there were things in there. I used to eat cookie dough. And I don't mean Ben and Jerry's cookie dough. I mean like the actual dough of the cookie that's supposed to go into the oven. I used to <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like that's how that's how far gone I was, you know. And so I'm emptying out all of this crap from my from my from my fridge. I haven't had a Dr. Pepper since that day. And um, and yeah, and I just I I I I kind of never look back. And it isn't to say that you know, at that point, I, you know, I walked off into the sunset and, and that was it, roll credits. Um, no, uh, at that point, I started, that was the beginning of 100,000 mistakes that have brought me to sitting here in, in front of you and having this conversation. Um, because it, it's not like life isn't linear. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't, you know, and, and progress isn't a foregone conclusion. Um, you, can, you can actually uh, regress just as, as, as much as you can progress. And time is the only, time is the factor that, that carries both, you know, people think, Oh, with you know, time will heal or time will tell or time will this time won't do anything unless you don't do something with it. Yeah. Right. Um, and it can, and it has the potential to take you backwards as much as forwards. And, and I, and I've, I've experienced both. So time, you know, and, and so the first thing I did actually, and this is, this is 2007. Now, first thing I did was I bought a pair of running shoes. And I went for a run and you probably know more than anyone else what happens when you just, you know, with, with zero instruction, with zero understanding of what the hell you're doing and just put on some, some running shoes and just start running with carrying my, my, my excess weight, zero muscle, um, and, and, and trying and just pushing myself because I want to go for as I can do this for an hour and just pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. And of course I hurt myself, uh, 
quite, quite, a, quite, quite substantially in the process of doing this. But then I learned and I kind of, I mean, I think at that point, what, I, what, what was interesting about that day uh, that I was describing to you is that it was a decision to allow myself to start making these mistakes and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing because that's where growth happens uh, when you put yourself out there and you start to do that. And that's where I, even though I was hurting myself, I knew that I was, but I was doing, I, at least I was doing something better. I was better off trying than not trying. And, and, and slowly, slowly with, with time, I started to bring myself back to the mountains. That became my primary motivation for, for staying fit. And it always was. Do you, and do you think, sorry, I, I want to pick up on a point you, you put in there. Do you think that, with regards to failure, do you think that you got to a point where you were scared to try and stop these things because you might fail and that would have just hurt way more than just carrying on? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, you know, you're, you're, the, the fear of failure is something that factors into to, to everybody's mind. Hmm. And, and I think that, you know, because we have a, you know, there's, there's this weird conception we have of failure it's like failure is a bad thing yeah. uh and 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 i think that's just the way that we you know we're brought up in this environment and you know where where, where you think of failure as a bad thing and it it took a lot of time uh me as i progressed from there to start to understand failure as being an essential ingredient to success yeah. because if you don't set to my mind at least if you don't set uh, a goal um, and a lot of people don't do that in life, whether it's in business or whether it's in, you know, in, in, in life goals or fitness or whatever. If you don't set a benchmark against which between you and yourself that you, you succeed or you fail, then you won't know if you have failed, which is great, but you also won't know if you're succeeding, which is not so great. And so you ten, and, 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 and so this is where you end up in this space where you, you, you don't really know what's happening. And, and, and so I feel like once you, once you you accept that failure is just, is just a, is, is, is progression. It's not regression, not trying is regression. Um, and these are two different things. Then I think that, that you, you're, you're put on the right path. So I don't regret having, you know, uh, decided to, to, to go out and start running in, in the way that I did. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm very happy that I hurt myself because it brought me back to the drawing board. And I figured it out again. I moved on to the next thing and I, I figured it out again. And, you know, and this is how I've, I've pretty much um, decided to, to lead my life. It's to, it's to progress, um, uh, you know, or, or to, to try and push myself in, in a particular direction and not overthink it. Uh, you know, if I, if I make it great, if I don't make it, at least I have a benchmark against which I can judge how I'm going to do, you know, how, how I'm going to do it differently the next time and, and progress in that way. What did you do in those early stages when you were when you're giving up cigarettes, when you're giving up the, the <laughs> I remember forever the, the, the raw cookie dough, mate. When you're giving oh, yes. up raw cookie oh, yeah. dough. <laughs> how, how did it work? Because I think this is this is something that's actually super interesting. Whilst we're talking about goals and, and scare and, 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 and failure and stuff, we're often told that we need to have these huge goals. I believe that yes, they're important, but also like you've had to in the first few days of giving up cigarettes, well, day one, you had to probably give like 40 different, and on 40 different times where you'd normally smoke a day, presuming you smoke 40 cigarettes a day, you've had to make a decision to say no, no. 
that's incredibly taxing. So how did you do it? Did you have a big goal? Did you have daily goals? How did you break it down? And mate, before we sort of move on to some of the, the really big stuff that you've done, because I want to get to that and spend some time on it. What was it like in those first couple of weeks? Because I know there's so many people listening to this show or around the world that those first couple of weeks are just brutal. So how did you cope? What's your, what's your go-to? Yeah. Uh, look, I think the, the first thing, the first ingredient, I always knew that I should quit, right? I think we, nobody, nobody, no adult uh, <laughs> believes, you know, thinks that, you know, this is a great idea and I'm just going to keep doing this and it's wonderful. I mean, you might like it. That's fine. You know, you might like to drink, you might like to smoke. That's, that's great. But nobody, nobody believes that, you know, this is, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is absolutely hundred percent great for me in life. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I think the, key, the, the, the starting point is to want it. You have to want to stop smoking or you have to want to start running or you have, you have to want it. If, yeah. you know, if you're doing it because you know that it's good for you or somebody's told you or because your friends are doing it or whatever, then yeah, you, it might take you to a certain point. But at some point, you're not, going, you're not going to see the point. You're not going to understand why it is you're putting yourself through what you're putting yourself through. So for me, the starting point was I, I genuinely, because I had quit before, you know, I'd stopped cigarettes for a while. I knew it was bad for me. I felt good. Oh, my lungs were clearing up and that was wonderful. But in the back of my mind, at that point in time, I didn't want to quit. I was quitting because I felt I should. So I think that the key, the, the starting point is to want it. And, and I say that for everything. So when people talk to me about, let's say, going to Trek Kilimanjaro, I, you know, the first question I asked them, they're like, is it difficult? I'm like, the first thing you have to ask yourself is if you want it, because if you want it, you're going to understand, you're, you're going to understand why you're putting yourself through it. If you don't want it, then you're not going to see the point of waking up at 11 o'clock at night to go to walk in the freezing cold, to go to the top of a mountain, you know, it's just not going to make any sense to you. So that's, that's your starting point. Um, and then like, and then I, it's, it's, it, when you, when you're looking at, I wanted to go back to mountains. So I didn't have a very specific, you know, goal of like, I want to climb this mountain and that mountain. I want to do this. No, I'm like, I just want to go back to the place that makes me feel genuinely happy from, from within my soul. Mm -hmm. And that place is the mountains and it always has been. So I wanted to, I wanted to live a life that would enable more of that. So it wasn't a, it wasn't like a gigantic goal. It was just, this was my, this was my kind of my, 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 my goal. And this is still my goal. It's what drives me every single day. But like Kilimanjaro, you don't look at the summit from, you know, at 5,895 meters and you're sitting at the very bottom of the mountain. You look at the top because when you look at the top from there, you're like, what the hell, how the hell am I going to get there? It's impossible. So, so we break it down. We break it down. Today, we're going to camp one, right? Which is a nice six hour walk through the rainforest and tomorrow we're going to go to camp two and it's going to be slightly higher than that and after tomorrow we're going to go to camp three and it might be the most difficult day you've ever had in your life and you're going to recover from it and then you're going to go to, to camp four and camp five and before you know it you're going to be on the summit and you're not even going to know how you managed to do that and and that's how i've broken down the challenges in my life uh, whether it's whether it's with smoking or whether it's with business or whether it's with whatever it's that i have there you know i can sit down and look at the problem in a, in a macro sense and I can become overwhelmed. So what I decided to do was take it one step at a time. I wanted to quit smoking. That was my first goal and, you know, and, 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 and develop myself in a healthy, in a healthy way. So 
I, I realized one of the first things I realized when I was when I would um, when I quit smoking was that okay, I'm getting over the 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 the, um, the addiction part of it is actually quite easy. It's the habits that sucks because I used to go to the bus stop and the first thing I do when I wait for the bus is look at my fingers and I just want to put my you know put something between my fingers and do something. It was it was almost like a nervous a nervous tick. Yeah. So um, so I replaced it. I, I was very conscious of it. Um, and so I replaced it. Uh, I get, I would stop at, uh, at a coffee shop on the way, pick up uh, a coffee to go and have something in my hand to do. And actually I still do that. Um, I pick up a coffee and I have something in my hand and I would drink, you know, sip on my coffee instead of having a cigarette. When I was still in uni, one of the things that like also kicking the habit of leaving the library to go for a, for a smoke, because the smoke also was a, what kind of represented a, a, a kind of a, a space for me to take a break and step out and, and be on my own or be with other people. Uh, Cause you know, everybody smokes in the same spot. Yeah. So, so what I would do was I would still get off my desk. I would still go down. I'd go, but rather than go to the, the smoking area, I'd go pick up a Starbucks or a whatever, whatever was closest and just stand with the smokers, have my coffee. And so I, I started to replace the habit, you know, and, and I would, and I would discover these things as they were happening. Um, so I didn't have a plan. Like I said, I just kind of, I, I realized that this is, you know, my next Kilimanjaro, my next camp is, you know, I, to, to kick the, the habit. So I started to work on that. And then after, after that, it was, my next camp was, okay, we, I need to start to develop my, my lung capacity and develop, uh, you know, some, 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 some degree of athleticism in order to get myself out there. So I started to, so, so that became my small goal. And I broke those down into mini goals too. And when you do that, the mountain doesn't seem so big anymore. And actually you start to, to meet your goals and meeting your goals is, 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 is so important in, in, as well because it, it, um, it, it fuels you. It gives you the motivation to, to go to the next point and the next point and the next point. And, and I'll, I'll jump, jump forward just slightly because there's an interesting parallel, which is when I was running the Lebanon mountain trail yeah. on, day, on day three, I was at 55 kilometers and I was done. I'm like the 55 kilometers for that day. And I was like, okay, I'm done. This is, I'm, I, you know, I have thorns in my feet from the, from the, from all the, it was, it's, it's very thorny at the, in September time in the mountains over here. And I was, I was, my socks weren't the right thing. And I, I had blisters everywhere. And I was just, I was in a lot of pain. And, I, and so I, and, and, and uh, one, one of my pace um, setters was telling me, okay, we're just going to do, we'll, we'll go the extra five kilometers to, uh, to the next uh, town. And that's where we're going to stop. And I'll just, tell everyone that we're going to move we're going to set up camp over there so i ran those five kilometers but after five kilometers we weren't there yet and so and it turns out that he'd actually he'd actually pushed me an extra five at 60 kilometers i get there and there was somebody who was fresh and you know and he was like okay rami listen we're gonna if, if we go the extra 10 now we're going to be back on track and at this point i had been running for maybe 14 hours and i was done and i was ready to eat and sleep and i looked at him and i'm like yeah, yeah, fine. 10 kilometers left. That's it. Let's go. 15 kilometers earlier, I was ready to die. Yeah. And here I am ready to do another 10 after that 15. Yeah. Um, and it's because you, when you break it down into small goals and it's manageable, you actually start and you, and you actually, you, you achieve what it is that you, that you, you know, uh, success, success is a uh, success. I, I, I'm not trying to find the right, the right phrase here. It's, it's, um, it, it, it's not a, you know, it, it feeds itself. Yeah. So when you, when you achieve something, 
then that pushes you forward to achieve the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's why it's, it's so important. If I stood at the beginning of the LMT and I said, I have 470 kilometers, I would have stopped five kilometers in, but it was breaking it down into five kilometer uh, 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 segments and, 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 and goals that enabled me to do that, to quit smoking, to get fitter and to be in the mountains. It's that, that's, I think that's so important, but you wouldn't, the key ingredient to all of this is wanting it. If you don't want it, then you're not going to see the point. So that's, that's your starting point. It's like, what, what is it that you want to do? And that's where, and then the rest is, is detail. Let's jump into that, mate. Recently, just last month, you ran, walked, hiked, at times crawled, I think, with thorns in your feet, 470 kilometers through Lebanon, through we won't go into a lot of the details of the history of Lebanon or what happened recently. Guys, please Google it. If you don't know what's gone on in Lebanon, you've been sitting under a rock or something. I don't know. But it's a crazy country with a crazy story. And honestly, when I sort of heard that you'd done this, I was, my immediate reaction was, how was it even safe? But in seven days and 10 hours, you covered 470 kilometers along some brutal pathway mate why did you want to do that let's start there yeah uh, so so the the lebanon mountain trail has been I, something that's been playing in the back of my head for for quite some time i'm 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 quite uh accomplished in mountaineering outside of lebanon um and 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 the lmt is kind of one of the big crown jewels of of of, of the mountains um uh here here in this country and so i always imagined i would do it at some point but I never, I never thought of running it, and I never thought that I would do it when I did do it, which was completely the wrong season. Uh, it was during a heat wave. <laughs> you know, first of September it was some of the, the most brutal conditions that, we've, uh, that we have yeah. uh, throughout the entire year. So it was, it was quite terrible. Uh, to, <laughs> it, was, it was quite terrible. I'm just going to put that. You said I, I crawled and I hiked, and I also cried my way through <laughs> 470 kilometers at once point uh, or more than one point perhaps but yeah so um so uh, i i had always had it playing in the back of my mind and then when um when the explosion happened here in beirut uh in, in august um and i was one of the first people down there uh with a lot of other lebanese uh we were down uh you know we were the first responders to what was happening and none of us had any experience in that um, it's just that unfortunately the state is in such a, a you know it's, it's such a it's, it's a failed state unfortunately and so there was actually no real response um, to the largest peacetime explosion in human history and uh, and so we found ourselves just individuals I I had my climbing gear on my back and I just rushed down there with uh, with with so many other people and we were all doing what we could with the know-how that we had in order to help so. As we got into week, the end of week two, beginning of week three, after the explosion, um, people stopped talking about what was happening in Lebanon and the NGOs were complaining that um, their, their funds were starting to dry up because we weren't really in the media uh, as much anymore and people weren't really talking about what was happening anymore. So um, I thought, okay, this could be a, a good opportunity because in the past I had done some fundraising uh, through my climbing initiatives. And I thought this might be a good opportunity for us to to bring uh, you know to bring back uh, to bring a sense of community to to the country um, by by doing it like by, by running the, the the Lebanon Mountain Trail 
uh, raising money for the Lebanese Red Cross and involving um, uh, the entire outdoors community in the initiative. So it wasn't about me and it wasn't about my running partner and it wasn't about the team. It was about everybody trying to participate in this. And this, that's how we ran it. So we, when we, when we, one of the, one of the first things that I, um, one of the first uh, parts of this puzzle that I put together in such a short period of time was that we wanted it to be so that everybody knew what our schedule was and could be, and could join us at different points on the trail. Wow. So I had people running, uh, running with me. I had, I had, you know, friends of my mother showing up at the camps with, you know, food um, and, and, and other mothers too, who I don't know. And, you know, and, um, and, and people just, people from, from everywhere, from the entire country, just coming down and supporting us in whatever way that we can. At one point we had 30 runners with us. Um, so it was, that was, that was really an, an incredible thing. And so we put this together and within, within 10 days, I'm, I'm a mountaineer. I do some trail running for my own personal enjoyment. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a, a trail runner uh, in the sense that I don't run competition. Um, it's it it really is just for me. It's you know it's if I'm in if I'm in the mountains and I have a day where I'm not I don't have ropes and I have nothing you know nothing technical to do. I put on my running shoes and just go out and 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 feel the mountain and and fill up my lungs and and just feel it it, it energizes me. But it was never something that I thought of as being you know I, I never I never I, and I don't consider myself to be a trail runner. Wow. Um, and and so uh yeah so so we w when when we sat down i sat down with the with the people from the lebanon mountain trail i said guys this is what we're planning to do i spoke to a fellow mountaineer a friend of mine over here and i said look this is what what i'm thinking of are you in he's like yeah it's like 65 kilometers a day if we want to kind of keep to the schedule what do you think and i'm like yeah 65 you know in my mind i like i did a quick calculation i'm like yeah we could do like six seven you know, kilometers an hour, that's speed walking. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, always. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so we, 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 I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, in all honesty, until, uh, until we, we actually started. And I think it was the end of the first day when we finished uh, 15 kilometers behind schedule that I, I realized the enormity of what it was that I was getting myself into. Um, so yeah, that's, 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 that was the motivation. And we, we, we did it to raise, um, uh, 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 originally $10,000 for the, uh, for the Lebanese Red Cross. We ended up raising, uh, almost $14,000 for Lebanese Red Cross, which was amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, and the trail is, so it's the Lebanon mountain trail. It starts, uh, it, it's a 470 kilometer trail. It starts all the way on in the South of the country and it follows the mountain. So uh, we, uh, at, at you do 22,000 uh, vertical meters uh, through, throughout the entire thing. And- Not many um, people can comprehend that, but let's, let's put that into, into some terms. That's like almost going up and down Mount Everest three times, basically. Yeah, exactly. Three times. <laughs> in four, 70K in seven days. So when you, when you read or hear about Killian Jornet, when he did Everest twice, this is Rami's done every three times, <laughs> slightly different, but vertical meters you've done almost three times in, yeah. in, 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 in seven days, which is, that's actually what makes it super interesting. And what you said earlier about, okay, we can do six or seven Ks an hour. All of that shit's out the window when you start to have to go up like that. So yes, four yes. Ks on a flat road is one thing, but when you have this much elevation, it is something else. Absolutely, and when when it when when and with the heat wave, 
as well, it was, it was something entirely different. So we had, uh, we hit 42 degrees Celsius, uh, on one day and it was actually the first big ascent. So the first, the first day that we, that we, of the trail is quite tame because it's in the lower foothills of the mountains. Um, and, and, and running it South to North is quite a challenge because the big altitude gains happen now will happen towards the end of the trail, not at the beginning. So it's when you're actually quite tired. Honestly, I didn't give it much thought. I just said, you know, I said, okay, south to north, let's go. That's it. There was, and then, and we just stuck to it. There was no, there was no real thinking behind it. Um, and it was only until we were, you know, we were at the first camp that we kind of did the calculation. I'm like, oh wow, okay, we're actually going to go. You know, the big altitude stuff's coming at the end, um, and we really felt it, uh, especially, especially the last three days. The last three days were grueling um, because, because it's because because the way the trail goes is that you go. So, so you, you would go all the way down to the valley floor, maybe two, 300 meters above sea level. And then, at the, and then within the space of 10K or less than that, you've shot up to, to almost um, 2,200 or 2,300 uh, meters up. And then you go back down again, down to the valley. And it just keeps doing that. It just it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Um, and just when you, and like, and, and, and the big, the big, the big thing was that, you know, you wake up in the morning and be like, okay, my next checkpoint, I can see it because you know, Lebanon is not that big. When you say 470 kilometers, like it's difficult to comprehend how you could fit that within the space of Lebanon because it's actually quite small, but the trail itself doesn't go in a straight line. It, it zigzags between the valleys and then goes down and like every, every spot where you're like, okay, there's no way the trail is going to take you all the way there. It does. <laughs> it takes you all the way there, brings you all the way down to the valley floor and then takes you all the way up to the highest summit. So every extreme that you can see in the morning in front of you, you're going to be, you know, in that extreme. Um, and I learned that I learned that as I was going, you know, so, and, and, and it was a learning experience throughout, um, you know, on the first day we like our, our, our nutrition plan was something, and I'm not even going to mention that to you because it's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, and, and by the end of it, it was like boiled potato and just, you know, and, 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 and like bananas. And that was pretty much what I lived off towards the end because it was, I just needed, my, my body was telling me what it needed. And it's like nothing with sauce, nothing that smells like anything. I just need, it, it was just like sustenance, 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 anything that keeps me going. Um, and yeah, whereas in the beginning it was like chicken sandwiches and, <laughs> You know, just, just like, just think, like, I'd, I'd spend like three hours after that just burping like this horrible stuff that, and, and then feeling like hell. How did you but, guys put together the, the stages and, you know, for, for people that are obviously a little bit more interested in, in this kind of stuff, is there places along the way that you planned to stay? Did it turn out good? Hospitality? Were you met with any sort of aggression at any point or how, how did it go from from sort of that more logistical side yeah so we we had we had a plan um and the plan was we spoke to uh the lebanon mountain trail and they gave us their recommendations of where to stay in the different places in the different stages we had a plan and a backup plan so if we didn't make it to a certain spot um for the most part we were able to stick to that plan. So, uh, and, and what I mean by that plan is like plan C of that plan. <laughs> uh, so a good thing that we thought about that's like, yeah, what's, what's worst case scenario? I'm like, yeah, we lived in the worst case scenario for like the first three days. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so from uh, uh, planning the, the stage was, was fine. The most difficult thing for us was that our safety car um, was, uh, the, and the people who were, who were in the safety car, including my fiance, 
we were all doing this for the first time. So learning where, how to meet us and what to have ready and, and, and kind of getting that, uh, that, was a, that was a learning curve on the first 24 hours. Luckily, my fiance is a, uh, is a, is a, a dietitian. And so uh, she, she knew very well like how to kind of organize things. And actually, a lot of the tension in the beginning was my fault. I'm like, no, I feel like a chicken sandwich. She's like, no, you shouldn't have that. Right. So, uh, you know, so, so, so eventually, there was like an I told you so moment. And I let her kind of take control of everything. So she was, she was great. Um, so I, I, did have, like, I did have that kind of support, which was, which was wonderful. Um, we had our tents in the, in the car in case uh, we weren't able to make it to, the, to where we were going. Uh, and we had already planned anyway to do a combination of guest, house, uh, guest houses because along the trail, um, it's, it's basically the LMT is typically done in 28 to 32 days. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and people uh, stay at guest houses along the way. And that's part of the charm of doing the Lebanon Mountain Trail. It's kind of to show everybody all the beautiful different scenic bits of, of the country in the mountains, um, which I didn't get a, a chance to see because most of the time my eyes were down on my feet. But, um, but yeah, so, so, so we, we uh, originally we had planned to, to, to spend all our nights uh, camping, but then as kind of the media got wind of what we were doing and the people of the, the, the Lebanon Mountain Trail Association started to reach out to, uh, to different members of the community, people started opening up their guest houses to us for free. Wow. Um, so by the third night, we started uh, staying at guest houses. And uh, we, so we, I think we camped for, we camped, three nights and then four nights were guest houses or some combination of that. But in the beginning it was camping. Um, and, and yeah, and, and, and it was, it was, it was safe. Um, actually surprisingly, you know, the further you go out into the mountains over here, the safer you feel. People were just so welcoming, so nice to us. Um, even the, even like local authorities. So, uh, the, you know, the, the, the military on the border and the, and the and the and the police in the different towns, they would know that we were coming because they would start to hear about us. They would somehow they'd get my number and my phone would ring and they just ring me up and say, "Hi, listen, I'm just calling from you know the municipality of this town and I want to just make sure that you guys are doing okay and if you need anything and and like we sometimes we'd reach a, a town center and there would be somebody from the town there who's just just there to say hi or the local Red Cross as well. At one point, they even ran with us a section towards the very end. So it was uh, I think the. the it was, it was, I, I was so pleasantly surprised by just how nice everybody was and how supportive they were on the trail, not just the runners, but, but the locals. Right. That's, I mean, honestly, absolutely incredible. And, and, you know, we, we don't have a whole heap of time, mate, but you know, we, we could talk about some of the, you, you've been up Kilimanjaro sort of 12, 13 times. You've <laughs> something on like, like it really is incredible what you're doing, mate. And this, is, this has led to your, the establishment of your company, Life Happens Outdoor. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about that and how I think what's important here is that you've taken your passion and you're now able to, to share it with people whilst continuing to do some absolutely incredible things. Yeah, so uh, Life Happens Outdoors kind of stems from my story. You know, we were talking earlier about how I always wanted to do something and I just, I, I couldn't find that way to do it. And the people around me weren't enabling that. And so what I wanted to do was create a, a community where, where people can feel comfortable uh, taking that first step on their own. Because I think that what happened with me was I wasn't comfortable going out there on my own for the first time. And so it took me, you know, I kept pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back until eventually, you know, I went a completely different way and it took 
you know, it took a lot of life experiences to bring me back. So I wanted to create a vehicle through which people could say, okay, I want to do this. My, you know, my friends aren't up for it or my families are not for it or whatever. So, uh, you know, I know these people, I can go on my own. I'll be super welcome, super supported. And, 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 and so that was, that's, that's life happens outdoors. It's, it's a community that's designed to enable uh, people to come on their own and especially first timers. It's all about first timers. We want people to come and have that experience because I believe more than anything that everybody can have a transformative experience for themselves in the outdoors. I've had mine. I've had the pleasure of, you know, I've had several, it's not just one, every mountain I climb, even if it's a mountain I've done before, um, I have those moments that kind of, that reset me or put me on a different trajectory or make me think about things in a different way. Um, that's been hugely helpful in my life. Uh, and, and I see that with all the people that we go with, like all these people who join us on trips. I, you know, I watch their transformations, whether it be on Kilimanjaro or the Mont Blanc or Machu Picchu or, or, you know, anywhere in Nepal, like you, you see, you see people come in a certain way with a certain vibe and they leave in with a, with a different vibe. And, but, but, a but a really, a, and it's a really beautiful transformation that I get to be a part of. So that's really what life happens outdoors is about. It's about first timers. It's about getting out there. It's about sharing experiences and it's about enabling one another. Mate, we often get asked this and I know you have a, a lot of plans, but people, when you're your type of person and you're always doing things, the natural question that people have is what's next. I don't want to ask you what's next. What I want to ask you is what would be your biggest challenge? If I said, right, we can start training tomorrow for what you think is the biggest challenge of your life when it comes to mountains or, or an endurance challenge, what would that challenge be? Uh, that will be climbing a, an 8,000 meter mountain without oxygen or expedition support. That's my, that's, that, that's been sitting in my head for, for probably since I was, since I first saw mountains. And Put that into I, some context though, mate, because a lot of people are like, well, that's easy. Really <laughs> so can you create a little bit of context around why that is such a big goal? Sure. Okay. So, uh, these days, um, whenever somebody climbs a mountain like Mount Everest or, or, or any, most of the 8,000 meter mountains, uh, what they do is they do it as part of a big expedition. And what a big expedition does is basically you, you go with a company and they basically fix the ropes. So they make it like a giant via ferrata, uh, and you just clip onto this rope and you kind of jimmer yourself up. And then you've got this, when, when you, when you reach a certain altitude, so, um, above 3,500 meters, you start to feel it, which is, um, there's less oxygen in the atmosphere. So your body starts to react in a far, uh, and, and your, 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 your capabilities are far inferior to what they are at sea level. Um, and of course, the higher you go, the more challenging it becomes. And with traditional expeditions, this gets compensated for by having an oxygen tank that is usually not even carried by you. It's carried by your expedition. So um, what I, and, and, and that is one way of doing it. And I, I, I'm not, putting that down. That's a big challenge and a big achievement for, for a lot of people. And, and, and it, it definitely is a big achievement. But for me personally, I'm, you know, I, somebody described me once as a soul climber and it's something that I, I, it's stuck with me. It's, I don't go up there because I want to be the first Humpty Dumpty to sit on that wall. Mm -hmm. And I, and I don't go up there because I want to get to the top no matter what. Uh, I want to go up there because I want to feel the mountain. I feel like that when I, when I go up to these places, um, and, and I felt this when I climbed the Amadablam, 
particularly, which was my first Himalayan uh, 6,000 or my first summit above 6,000 meters, I, I felt this connection to this mountain and it was a dialogue throughout the entire time that I was there. At one point, the mountain didn't want me and then it was testing me and then it checked to see if I was worthy and then it, 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 it put me through so many different tests and, and, and that... That is something that I feel you can only really experience when you are, when it's just you and the mountain and it's just you and your skills and there's nobody else there. And I remember when I was close to the summit of the Amadablum and I was the only person there, I looked around me and there was not a soul in sight. Wow. And when I summited the mountain on my own and I, I collapsed, I'll, I'll never forget this in my life because the Amadablum is a, is a serious, it's a, it's a, it's a, when, you, when you're on the face, it's not like a gradual thing. You, you're, you have a wall of ice in front of you and then suddenly the wall of ice is no longer there. It just kind of goes down and the entire Everest region opens up in front of you. And I saw the Mount Everest just across the, the valley from me and I just collapsed on my knees and bawled my, my, my eyes out. Wow. That kind of connection, that kind of connection that you, that you get is, I feel like it's, it's only, it's, you can only really have it when you're there on your own, when you're there with no expectations of summit but rather expectations of just feeling this place as much as possible and that's why for me um uh, climbing without oxygen uh on an 8,000 meter mountain which are the highest mountains in the world you know above 8,000, there are only 14 of them and uh, is, is something that i i, I just want to i just want to see what will happen i want to see what my body is going to feel like i want to hear what the mountains are going to tell me and and then maybe maybe uh, I'd be able to come back and, and, and tell a different story then. Right. Incredible. And, and actually with that answer, you, you actually answered my, my final question, which was to sort of explain that connection and that relationship with the mountains that you've touched on sort of pretty much like a lot through, through the chat, mate. Absolutely incredible and, and, and very, very motivating. I mean, we, 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 mate, we could talk for hours about this. We've, <laughs> we've literally, I feel we've literally just scratched the surface, mate. And I don't think this is going to be, uh, I don't think this is the last time we talk, but I think what you've given us in, in the last 45 minutes is just, it's absolute gold, mate, from, from a, a, an, an addiction, from a, one mindset, from fear, from failure to, you know, to, to this great, way that you describe nature and, and your connection with it it's it's truly very inspiring mate so thank you so much for sharing that with, with me and, and with the listeners this thank you marcus I, I really appreciate you you having me on and yeah like you said we can talk about this forever and and we and and and, and actually we'll have a lot more opportunities i'm sure to to, to have to have more conversation hopefully in person yeah. uh, next time not over zoom uh, um and, and yeah, it's just, it's just an absolute pleasure to, 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 to share what it is that, you know, I think we all go through in, in different ways. Mine, mine just comes out, you know, with mountains, but mountains are a metaphor, mate. They, they're, they're, you know, it's, it's not really a mountain. It's not really a summit. It's just, it's, it's life. It's, it's goals. It's, it's getting to where we're going to go and, 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 you know, and have, giving ourselves the tools to get there. Awesome. Thank you.